Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There is a consistency with God. We can depend upon the Word of God. God will do exactly as His Word reveals. And if we are individuals that want to be thought of as faithful, we are going to take hold of His Word, both His written Word and His personal Word to us. That is His plan, His purposes for our life. And we're going to submit to these things joyfully and also confidently that they are the very best for us. Knowing that God loves us, He demonstrated that love and whatever He would have us to do, whatever experience that He would have us to go through, it is proper to submit to these things. We will never have any regret we will never be disappointed when we say yes to God. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Timothy and chapter 1. 2 Timothy and chapter 1. Now, we saw that Paul spoke about the call in his life. And we're going to see that twice he speaks about that which has been deposited to him. And I believe that it is a reference to the call that God has upon his life. And Paul's going to show us in these words, and he's teaching this truth to Timothy, that Timothy likewise might be a man who submits to God's call, walking in his will for his life. So let me ask you a question, and that is, are you confident that you are walking, living in God's will? That you are behaving today, right now, in the decisions that you are making, the things that you're doing, the plans that, that you are planning, are indeed, are you confident, this is God's purposes for my life. We need to be people that are listening to God, coming before Him submissively, and if we do, He will indeed guide us, instruct us. He will give us revelation. Revelation to be individuals that behave with discernment, who makes wise decisions and the plans. We're not going to regret, but we're going to see them as God's will for our life. So let's begin. We left off with verse 11. I want to go back there because it is foundational for understanding what Paul is going to share with Timothy in this section. So look with me to verse verse 11 second timothy chapter 1 and verse 11 where he says for whom i have been appointed now paul knows that that god has placed him in a a place in his life where there's purpose there is a call and he says for which 
I have been appointed, appointed a preacher or a proclaimer, however you translate this word, and an apostle and a teacher. And if you have the Texas Receptus, a teacher of the nations. And we mentioned last week how Paul understood Israel's call to be a blessing to the nations, a source of revelation, a source of truth for the nations. And Paul is living that out individually. So he says, these things I have been appointed to do, to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher unto the nations. And then, verse 12, he says, on account of this reason, because of, in other words, the call in his life, because of this reason, and these things, these things that, that Paul is suffering. Now, we need to underscore that. Paul, he is confident. We're going to see this in a moment. He is confident that what he's going through, what he's doing with his life, is God's will. And if that means that he suffers, so be it. And let me just point out that we are called to suffer for our faith. We saw last week, and I'll go back to, to the verse. If you look carefully at, at a specific verse, you see something. You see that Paul is telling us, and I'm speaking about the end of, of verse 8, where he speaks about, but suffering evil together for the gospel according to the power of God. And we mentioned God knows that we're going to suffer and we're going to suffer at the hands of the enemy, meaning they're going to do evil things. Now, in one sense, it's not God's will for us to receive these things, meaning this. God did not tell them, invite them, commission them to do these bad things to us. Did that capture God by surprise? It did not. But it's not his will. But doing the will of God, being obedient for his personal plan for my life, his personal plan for your life, it, it means that we're going to experience hardship, trials, tribulation in this world. In other words, we're going to suffer that which is evil, and we're going to do it together, meaning this. We all have that, that same experience to some degree or another. So Paul says, this is for the sake of the gospel. He understands that for the gospel, he has been saved. He, on that road to Damascus, when Messiah appeared to him and set him apart for the gospel, Paul understood, this is going to mean that I am going to suffer. And therefore, he says, let's go back to our verse, verse 12, where he says, on account of this reason and these things, he says, I suffer. But despite the suffering and the context, and we'll see a, a hint of this in a moment, Paul has spent much time in prison. If, if you would just look at Paul from the standpoint of the community that he was, was living in and serving in and such, the places that he would go, Paul would be thought of by many people as simply a, a common criminal. There's that Paul again, yet we see that he's going to say things and do things that, that the empire doesn't like. He's going to keep doing them and finding himself 
in prison. But Paul says in this passage, look at it. He says, even though these things I suffer, he says, but I am not ashamed. Why? Now, this is this confidence that he has. And what we're going to see is that he's had this confidence in the past. He has it now and nothing's going to change. Why do I say that? Well, look at this next phrase. He says, for I know whom I have believed. Now, unless you pay attention to the grammar, you're going to miss out on a very important nuance that Paul brings to this text. Because when he says, I know whom I have believed, we just think, well, he's believed in him in the past. But this this tense means that Paul has believed on him in the past. He does right now. And here's the key. Nothing's going to change in the future. Paul's faith is secure. It is not going to alter. It's not going to change. Paul's not going to one day say, I don't believe in him anymore. That is not something that someone who has experienced Messiah in their life can ever say. So we look and he says, for I know whom I believed in that perfect tense and I am persuaded. And likewise, when he says, I am persuaded, this word as well is in that same construction, the perfect tense. So he was persuaded, he still is, and he will continue to be persuaded by these things. And what is that? Primarily, based upon context, that Paul is assured, he is confident, he has been persuaded concerning that call in his life now when you understand god's call for you you are just going to to feel content in it even as we see with paul that means suffering another good example of that is the prophet jeremiah jeremiah he says enough every time i i say these words something bad happens to me The people don't accept them. The people don't like them. And they take out their anger, their displeasure with my prophecy upon me. So he says, Jeremiah says, one day I'm done. I'm not prophesying anymore. And what does he say? That word became like a fire within him that he had to, to act upon, let out. And that's what I'm sharing with you. Paul knew that same thing. So when you are walking in your call, in God's will for your life, there is going to be a peace and a contentment, even though, as Paul says here, these things I'm suffering because of this call, but in actuality, we have no choice. Because that call is what we're going to to do, regardless of the consequences. That's what he's saying. Again, for I know whom... I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. Now, this is this consistency that Paul understands concerning God. When is God able? Always is he able. Is there any time when God's unable to carry out what he's promised? No, there is not. And that all gives us, it all gives us assurance. It speaks about what I've spoke of earlier and that is that consistency with God. God is there. He is going to be that that rock for our salvation. 
He will be that provision. He will be that source of illumination. God, we can depend upon him. So he says, For I know whom I believed and persuaded that, that he is able. And then he says, and most Bibles rendered this as a verb, but it's not a verb, it's a noun. And he says, I know that, keep reading, he says, I know that he is able to do something, to keep my deposit. Now, this word deposit or charge, it's a reference to the call that Paul has received. And he's saying this, I know that God is able to keep, keep me in order that this purpose, this plan, this charge, what I have received, what he's deposited to me, this call upon my life that, that I'm going to carry out. And this is something that we should also affirm, that we should have assurance concerning God. We know the scripture says the good work that he's began in us, he's faithful to complete, and he is deed faithful. And this call that we have, those purposes, if we submit, if we trust, we walk in that faith, we, we, we act being persuaded by God's instructions and the revelation of God, who he is that tells us what we should do. We are going to know that he is able to keep that, that charge, what he says, my charge, what, what has been deposited to me when? In that day. Now, in that day, usually, is an expression when we see it in the Old Testament, beyom hahu. In that day is usually a reference to judgment. And what is Paul saying? He says this. God has given me a charge. He has deposited to me a call on my life. And God's faithful. He is going to keep me in this, this purpose. He's going to bring me through and deliver me from all these obstacles, all this opposition that, that I'll face, all this suffering I'm going through. I will overcome it. I am not going to allow it to push me back, to defeat me, to discourage me, to cause me to, to give up on this. No, he says, God, he is able and he is going to keep in that day and judgment day, why is he bringing this up? Because he's speaking about judgment day, perhaps in a different way than you're thinking. We're going to have, there's a judgment day for all believers. We know, Paul tells the Corinthians, that, that we all must appear before the Bema seat, that is the judgment seat of Messiah. Now, for us, it's not where we're going to spend eternity. That's already been decided. When was it decided? The moment that you've accepted the gospel. So I am secure eternally in where I'm going to be forever and ever. Where is that? Ultimately, in the kingdom of God. But then there's a second aspect to eternity for me and for you, for every believer. And that is that God's going to judge our, our faithfulness to the charge, that call of our life. And to the degree that we have submitted, that we've obeyed, that we've carried out, that we've walked in his will, his will for our life, there's going to be a reward. 
And what he's saying here is, I'm confident, I have assurance that he's able to keep, to keep me in order that I faithfully carry out the charge that he has given to me, this call upon my life, that I'll hear those words, this is what Paul's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. To be a man of God, to be a woman of God that that lives in a way, here's a key, that is pleasing to God. Now, if you're not walking in his will for your life, you're not pleasing him. You're disappointing, you are, are doing that, which God is not approving. Therefore, notice what he says. Look now to verse 13. He says, basically, hold an example. Hold an example, meaning you be that example. You demonstrate that example of what? Well, he uses uh, a phrase which means that which is healthy, that which is what it's supposed to be that which is meeting God's expectations. So he says, hold fast an example of of healthy words, which from me you have heard. So am I walking, demonstrating this healthy revelation, these good words, proper words, that God has given to us that we've heard from Paul that we've read in his word. And what is that going to produce in our life? Well, notice it says, in faith and also in love. In love and in Messiah Yeshua. Now, faith has to do with a commitment. When you say, I have faith in the gospel, you're committing to it. When you have faith in God, you are committing to him. So he says, faith and then it says also in love now if you come from a a background that is is torah observant you're going to know a lot about the torah that is the commandments of god those 613 commandments we find in the first five books of the bible and what we know here is that that these commandments the torah they are rooted in love you do these things because you have love for god or love for your neighbor so all the torah commandments they are related to love and what he's saying here what he says faith in faith and in love that faith is going to cause you to live in a way that demonstrates the the righteousness of the law Not according to necessarily that word, but the spirit, the intent of that commandment. And there's going to be, and this is a a big takeaway, as I do these commandments, walking in love, meaning demonstrating my commitment and love for God and my love and commitment for others. When I do that, this is when, and we talked about this last week, This is when God's revelation will be the clearest, the loudest, and we'll understand more and more about God's will for our life. So we're supposed to be that example of of healthy words, healthy words that Paul has, has spoken. He says, which from me you have heard in faith and love and in Messiah Yeshua. 
verse 14. Now, in verse 14, he's going to use that same word that, that relates to a call, that is what is deposited to and in one individual, a believer, that charge. Now, in the Texas Receptus, there's a similar, the same root, but it's formed differently. In Nestle Allen, it's identical to the word that we talked about earlier. This charge, that which is entrusted or deposited from God into our life, that call upon our life. So notice what he says here. The good deposit, that good charge, that call, in other words, he says, keep. So what God has given us to do, what he has entrusted to us. See, think of it this way. He is the master. We are his servant. God gives us an order, a charge, a, a call upon our life. And he says here, it is a good one. Why? It's in accordance with God's will. So this good depositing, this good call upon our life, he says, keep this guarded. In other words, you take this seriously and you carry it out in your life. Now, the question is, how? Well, he tells us. He says, keep reading in verse 14, through the Holy Spirit, whom dwells in you. That is in the present. Why? Well, sometimes the present tense is used to show consistency. So the Holy Spirit, he is dwelling in us consistently. And he's there to assist us, empower us, help us. The scripture calls him the helper. He's there to help us carry out God's charge, his call upon our life. So that's how we do it. But we have to have, and this word begins, when he says, you know, hold fast. How does he put it in verse 14? He says, the good call, you keep, you guard it. And that says it's something precious, it's something important, and here's the key. It is only when I am walking in obedience to God's call in my life that God's provision, His power, His perspective, all this that we need to be a faithful servant will be given to us. But we have to be walking in his purpose his purpose for our life and let me tell you we all know the verse that speaks about uh, contentment paul says i know the secret of being content when in all circumstances paul speaks about that peace that passes all understanding and let me assure assure to you that that this peace this contentment also joy is only found in that that charge that which god has deposited to us his call upon our life it's good in the sense that it's going to bring us into not just doing god's will but here's the key receiving his will for our life and what is that will his blessings his promises those good things now move on to verse 15. he's going to talk about the fact that that although he doesn't turn away, there are others who unfortunately do so. And their lack of faithfulness 
does not cause us to change, to do something different, to become discouraged, to give up, to, to, to have despair. He says, you know this. Now, Paul is affirming something. He says, I'm going to keep that call upon my life, that good call that God has given to me. I, I have believed in him. I have been persuaded by him. And nothing's going to turn me away from this. Even though he says, you know this, that they have turned away from me. Who's turned away from Paul? All the ones in Asia. And then he, he speaks out two individuals. Now, they're only mentioned here. What we can assume about them is that they, they are believers, part of, of some congregation in Asia, and they, they turned against Paul. And this would be the man by the name of, of Figelus, and then also another man, Hermogenes. So these two individuals, Figelus and Hermogenes, these two individuals, we know nothing about them other than they turned against, they turned away from Paul. And perhaps they led others to do the same. Verse 16. What can we expect in those times? We can expect God to move. How? He says, the Lord, he shall give mercy. May the Lord give mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. Now, the household of this individual, Onesiphorus, apparently this is a home congregation, maybe referring to a, a family or a congregation in this family's home. But he says, God, and the implication is this. There have been all these individuals in Asia that's turned away, namely these two individuals. But apparently, this household, this family, here again, they are, are called by the name Onesiphoros. These individuals have not. And perhaps it's, it's not easy being, being with Paul. And therefore, he says, God will grant to this family, he will grant mercy. Why? Well, why is he praying? Why is he saying this? Because many times he says that, that he has refreshed, renewed, however you translate this word. It means literally to, to lift up someone's soul so that he has, has refreshed me. And the chain, meaning this, my chain, and this is a reference to, and I mentioned this earlier that we would come to this. Paul is frequently in prison. When he speaks about chain, this is what he's referring to, being changed, chain to some prison cell, likely in some dungeon, as, as frequently was the case. So Paul says, look again, this one has, has refreshed me, and also my chain, he was not ashamed of. So the fact that for many, Paul was an outcast, he was thought of as a common criminal, 
someone that was was problematic among the the Roman Empire and this could put you in great jeopardy associating with supporting being with agreeing with but apparently this family here again they are called Onesiphorus this family remained faithful they were the exception to the rule in this location and Paul says despite this God God will grant to this family this household mercy and then secondly he says then not being ashamed of of my imprisonment look now to verse 17 but arriving in Rome so apparently we see that that this one probably the leader of the family he was arriving in Rome and what did he do now it could be but but Paul arriving in Rome being there it says this one this one by the name of Onesiphorus he and this is a word which means to do something with urgency now sometimes in fact most of the times it appears in the Bible it appears with something that that is done hastily quickly we hear hastily and we think sometimes uh rashly that that it was not given thought to and such this is not the case in this context paul is is lauding this individual lifting him up and he said that he quickly that he with speed hastily sought me and found meaning this he arrived in rome and with with urgency with diligence he wanted to find paul he sought him and he found him and this is simply saying the type of individual he is paul what was he an outcast a common criminal oftentimes being in prison and what did this one do he went right there didn't care what might happen to him what others might think that he was associating with this paul see we hear paul in one way but if you were alive nearly two thousand years ago you would hear paul being referred to by his his fellow jews the majority and also by by the majority of gentiles as a troublemaker as someone who was not loyal to the government that was disobedient and that's why he was so frequently in prison so it says here that that after arriving in rome he hastily sought me and found the implication is found me now look at verse 18 our last verse the lord grant to him to find mercy from the lord in that day now this is the second time we've had that expression in that day and this is why we need to be an individual that lives with a a consciousness of judgment now here again for the believer i'm not talking about judgment in the sense of god's god's wrath why the scripture says love this verse first thessalonians 5 9 god has not appointed you meaning believers you and me he has not appointed to experience wrath but 
to obtain, meaning receive, the outcome of salvation. And what is that? Victory. A kingdom victory. So when he says here in this passage about uh, finding mercy in, in the day, in that day, he's speaking about that God is going to grant us mercy. Now, mercy, we need to understand it in the biblical sense. Mercy can involve forgiveness, but, but mercy also has to do with behaving in, in someone's best interests. This is how Paul's using that term. And let me give you an example. Of course, this is Greek, but I want to give you an example from the Hebrew language. I've shared this before. Hopefully, it's familiar to most of you. But the word mercy in Hebrew is the word rachamim. It comes from, and it's in the plural, why God's mercy is abundant. So, rachamim, abundant mercy. It's in the plural. If we look at this word, the root in the singular, rachem, it can also be used for not uh, less mercy, but simply the Hebrew term for a womb, like a woman who's carrying a child. And what's the relationship between the term womb, a mother's womb, and mercy? Well, the womb is going to do everything for the baby's best interests. If that baby is cold, that womb is going to send a message to the brain, give me the heat of the body. This baby needs to get warm. If the baby is, is, is hot, just the opposite. That womb is going to tell the brain and the cooling efforts are going to be focused in on that baby. The womb senses the well-being or the lack of well-being for that baby and tells the brain, respond. So the womb does what's best for the baby. What Paul is saying is this. God, when you are in his will, carrying out the call that he has upon your life, you can be assured of something. That God is going to be merciful. That is, he's going to act in your best interests, your best kingdom interests, how you are going to, to be rewarded, how God is going to act forever and ever to you because you were faithful. So look again. It says here, verse 18, the Lord shall grant to him to find mercy from the Lord in that day and he's speaking about this same individual, Onisiphorus. And he says concerning him also, how much in Ephesus he ministered. Now, the implication is this one was constantly doing ministry. Ministering to Paul and ministering to others. So he says, and he makes it personal here. He says, and how much in emphasis he ministered. He says, very well, you know this. Wouldn't it be great to have a reputation like this? That someone would say about you, you know this and you fill in your name, that, that this one is such a blessing, that this one really 
helped me, assisted me, ministered to me in a difficult time. That is the type of testimony that we want others to say about us, that we were used by God to be a blessing. And the only way that you're going to hear that ever is if you say to God, God, I want to obey your plan for my life. I want to, to be faithful to that charge what you entrust to me. I want to carry it out. I want to guard it. I'm going to do it. And the whole motivation I have for that is that I want to be a blessing to others. I want to bring glory to you. I want to be someone that you are well pleased with. I want a reputation that I am a servant of God. Now, I'm going to close with this, and that is this. You recall how we began. Tefillah Moshe. Tefillah le Moshe. Ish ha Elohim. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. And what we should be concerned with above all things, that we should be thought of by God as a man of God, as a woman of God. That is our objective. And let me say this, that when you are passionate about that and your life when you understand this is what God has given me to do this is his will this is what he's entrusted to me this charge this call on my life when you understand that and you walk in obedience to it I can assure you you're going to have that peace there's going to be joy there's going to be contentment regardless of of how others respond to what you're doing whether they oppose you, whether they are, 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 are enemies towards you, makes no difference. Because you're going to have that assurance, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what Messiah's blood has saved me to do. See, his blood saves us not just for eternity, that's part of it, it's a wonderful part of it, the greatest part of it, but he's also saved us, redeemed us, purchased us so that we can carry out God's will in our life. And if you're not committed to that, and what a shameful thing it would be to complete your life, get to the point when you know death is near, and be doubtful. You know, did, did my life really amount to something? Did I do what God would have had me to do? Or have I wasted so much time even if you just have a few days left make them count come before god pray to him god i've learned my air i i acknowledge my selfishness my indifference i was casual careless with 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 what i should be doing but but whatever time i have whatever ability that that i may have left I want to use it for your glory. I want to be your vessel in this world. God will rejoice of that. He will be faithful to you. Finish well. Finish your life in a way that you have, even as just one day, a testimony that day that you walked in obedience to the living God. You'll never regret obeying God's plan for your life. Well, stop with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank <laughs> you.